Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Rethink Retail podcast. I'm your host, Deanne Campbell, and I'm stoked today that we're going to be talking about one of the most essential aspects of retail success, which is keeping your products in front of your customers in a way that is the most effective and the most profitable. We're exploring how sensors and analytics are driving the future of in-store experience, operational efficiency, and sales. Now, we all know that e-commerce has become an important part of the retail business, but 80% of retail sales still happen inside brick and mortar. And furthermore, it's the in-store experience that's really driving the highest profit margins for retailers. And today, technology is helping retailers to blend their online and offline channels, which is really opening up an exciting future for in-store experiences. But how can retailers ensure they reach their potential? What infrastructure do they need for success? And What are the steps a retailer should take to ramp up their in-store sensing and analytic capabilities for best results in in this area? So I'm thrilled to introduce our guest on today's show, Tom Erskine, the CEO of One Door, which is a leading retail tech solution company. And Tom is a, a tech guru on behalf of retail. One Door's platform is a software as a service solution that creates a backbone that really allows brands to leverage in-store sensing capabilities and build a single source of truth. I stole that from their website to maximize merchandising and understand shopper behavior. So welcome to the show, Tom. Hey, how are you, Deanne? Great, great. It's good, to be, good to be with you, for sure. Yeah. So are you ready to dive into the wonderful world of analytics? I am. Well, I'm dive into the wonderful world of all things analytic, retail, stores, et cetera. Yeah. Perfect. So just starting at the beginning of that, when it comes to in-store analytics, what are the essential elements that are considered table stakes? And how does OneDoor's platform contribute to these table stakes and really enable insights? Yeah, for sure. So the OneDoor platform is a platform designed for retailers to enable them to define and deliver great in-store you know, physical in-store experiences. So where are our promotions? Where do we put our products, et cetera? And today, you know, where we are with most retailers, what we see in the market is developing that platform, developing that backbone and beginning to pull insights out of either the data that they already have, uh, so sales data, et cetera, and sort of mashing those insights up with their store planning process is for large format retail uh, something that's been going on for a while, but honestly, in sort of smaller format specialty retail, it's a pretty new discipline. And we're, I think, at the vanguard or kind of at the forefront of helping retailers develop kind of what their basic capabilities are, where you're going beyond some of the work that they might already be doing today for taking sales data, creating demand forecasts, and essentially trying to understand that at a product level. What we're really seeing is now, just now, the market really taking into consideration, hey, we need to understand our space better. So we need to understand not only what products are selling, but where they're selling and why they're selling where, why they're selling in the space that they're in. And, you know, you, you brought up e-commerce, you know, it's, 
I think the ultimate vision is what, you know, we need to be able to deliver something that looks like Google Analytics, but we need to be able to deliver that in the physical environment so that people can really understand shopper behavior in ways that they haven't understood it up to this, up to this point. It's so important. And, and you mentioned this, something that's equally important is that this is a relatively new industry. So for retailers wanting to really get in on the ground floor of this to leverage in-store sensing, what are some of the important steps they need to take for yeah. getting those best results? And can yeah. you walk us through that Yeah, process? so we, we almost think of it in sort of three tiers um, or three layers. There's frankly, within a lot of retail, there's still a base digitalization requirement that has to go on. And, and that's really where, frankly, our platform shines. But it is in digitizing information about the exact state of their stores, where the fixtures are, what the floor plans look like, where are the products on, where are the promotions in those locations. That information has existed for a long time, but it's very often within a lot of retailers, it's kind of scattered throughout the organization. And it's not in a really consolidated, digital, actionable format. And so our platform, and we believe really one of the big table stakes is putting all that information together and creating a very accurate digital twin of the store environments so that you can then move on to start to take advantage of understanding the data better. But without that, without sort of doing that basic level of digitalization at the bottom, that would be the recommended first step that we would put in front of, of any retailer uh, is, is really bringing that information together, harvesting it within their organizations, consolidating it and getting it all into a single platform. Well, that's, that sounds fascinating. Maintaining brand consistency is also something that I find a really interesting benefit that your, your program can help with. While being operationally efficient is really important for retailers, it's also really challenging. So how does One Door's platform help retailers to uh, achieve those two, I think, often competing objectives? Yeah. You know, once you understand the layout of each unique store, you know, and one of the things that we constantly see in retail is that stores are snowflakes, yeah. you know, that, that every location is slightly different. And that drives a, an incredible sort of challenge. And sort of one of the big challenges around physical retail is the ability, once you get sort of maybe over 50 locations, 100 locations, the ability to consistency act, consistently execute across all those given that they're all slightly different, is, is really challenging. So getting that underlying data set in place is, is a big first step. And then from an operational efficiency perspective, once you do that, you can start to automate processes. You can start to automate processes and make processes more efficient in ways that just aren't possible unless you do that digitalization. So the ability to automatically you know, ship every store exactly what they need to deliver a great customer experience. Yeah, once you have the information and once the data is, is of high enough quality, you can start to do those things. You know, I was with a retailer um, a couple months ago. I visited a retailer that we work with and was in a store and they were performing, a, they were essentially setting a promotion. And the, the store associate was taking products and out of the box and putting one pro set of products in one pile and the other in another pile. And I, I said, oh, that's interesting the way you do that. Is that for the front of the store and the back of the store? And she said, well, no, actually, um, the ones in this pile are the ones that we don't need in our store. And the ones in this pile are the ones that we do need. And, yeah. you know, they 
their existing processes were working in a way that they were incredibly inefficient. They were just shipping everything to every location, you know, and then the locations were leaving it, you know, to, it was up to the locations to figure out sort of how to execute. So, you know, it's that level of efficiency that I think we have to drive for. And, and it obviously that ends up benefiting the customer experience as well, because you end up delivering a more consistent experience. Um, and, you know, regardless of what store you visit, the quality and, and the experience is consistent with what you were expecting as a consumer. I think personalization is one of the most underrated needs for retailer. I don't think retailers understand fully the extent to the, that personalization can help with the bottom line. Actually, both top line and bottom line revenue are impacted yeah. by that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We agree. And, and again, it's one of the things we see is a natural migration from one size fits all mm-hmm. to maybe one size fits many, you know, sort of clustering, you know, that the sort of single variant clustering, hey, these are my high value locations. These are my premium locations. So my layout and my product mix is X. And again, what we enable and we're excited to see is now a much richer approach to localization and personalization where across multiple variables, I can start to redefine the experience I deliver in location A versus location B, whether it's demographic information, geographic information, you know, whatever it is. Once you have the digital infrastructure in place, the ability to create unique experiences in each location becomes much easier. You know, I I think that digital infrastructure sounds like an important solution for a big problem that retailers have, which is two-way communication between their stores and their merch teams. Getting information flowing between those in real time is has been probably a, a one of the biggest hurdles I think that the traditional retail model experiences. How does one door facilitate this two-way communication and and collaboration even? Do you have any examples you can share with us? Oh yeah, tons. I mean, I think that one of the basic ones is that when you talk about the basics of promotional compliance or merchandising compliance, I think a lot of people have the tendency to leave that, to lay that all on the store teams. You know, if it's not done right, it's because the store team just either didn't do it or the, the percentage of times we see that promotional compliance or product compliance is actually because of either a supply chain issue or an HQ planning issue or a shipping problem. The ability for the store teams to effectively provide feedback to HQ around what's going on as it relates to merchandising execution and compliance is a massively important part of getting everybody in the organization working toward the goal of delivering a perfect store. It isn't just about the store associates and the fact that, you know, hey, we just didn't get it done. And so, for example, in our platform, we actually distinguish between the concept of work completion, which is the, you know, how did the associate do the work they were supposed to do, and the actual overall compliance level of the store. Those are two totally different things, and they need to be managed appropriately. Because otherwise, you're just setting the reps and the stores up for failure. Um, so, you know, we think that's a, a big deal. And the two-way, the ability not only to communicate to stores, but the ability for stores to communicate back to the merch teams or the promo teams or the marketing teams or whomever it is, is, a, is an incredibly valuable part of the equation. It, it really is. And uh, it sounds like you've, you've solved a little piece of it. The other piece is allowing retailers to effectively capture data on in-store behavior. So talking about 
getting the lines of communication open between merch teams and um, the rest of the company, the ability to also identify a product that is being looked at in the store, but mm-hmm. not necessarily selling, that is gold to a retailer to understand maybe it's how it's merchandised, maybe it's the the quality of the product when they pick it up just doesn't match the expectation. Um, there's something going on there because people seem to be drawn to this thing, but they're not buying it. So you talked about a digital twin in the store. And can you tell us what the role of this digital twin is in this this process and in, in understanding in-store behavior? And how does it contribute to that single source of truth for store performance? Yeah, I think the best way to think of it is to really think of the digital twin as the, the underlying data layer, the underlying foundational layer on top of which you can start to layer in different inputs, whether that's sales information, which is you know the, the easiest to imagine, or whether that ultimately is some type of store sensing information that's either coming from cameras or coming from footfall counters or coming from you know shelf sensing. I think what's interesting to us is that there are no clear winners yet in the store sensing game in terms of which technologies are going to be the most viable from a perspective of how can I cost effectively understand shopper behavior better before they actually make the buying decision. So to your point, you know, how do I know traffic? How do I know these things? But what is important is getting the infrastructure in place so that once you can start to suck that information in, you can deal with it effectively and you can generate insights from it easily and you can generate insights from it quickly. So, for example, you know, in our platform, we have a a feature of the platform called Storeboard. And the underlying vision for Storeboard is that ultimately that is really where you can turn different inbound data into insight and mash that information together in ways that enable you to understand the shopping experience better than you might understand it today. How agnostic is your system when it comes to sensor, the sensor technology? Um, do you, can you leverage other people's sensors? Do you have your own? Yeah, we don't have our own. So okay. we're, we're literally, so for example, we do, a, we do a fair amount of business in the telecom space. So with large telecom vendors, you know, there are two or three companies that sell uh, security wands. So, you know, you know, when you're walking a telecom store, you pick up the iPhone, it's attached to a security wand. That's a good example of a class of sensing devices mm-hmm. Where, you know, again, our overall goal and our vision is just to make sure we know exactly what skew is on what fixture is in what location so that we can ultimately help turn that information into something that represents real insight as opposed to, you know, just a data point that says, hey, somebody picked up the iPhone. You know, so I think that we really have no desire to be sensing. The only place where we're investing on our own is with computer vision and the ability to snap photos, the ability to understand from a photograph taken in a location, the disposition of the quality of the merchandising and really understand compliance at a level that's automated. One of the reasons we have to do that is that merchandising teams at HQ don't have time to babysit compliance in stores. They wanna be able to trust the compliance information they get from their store teams but they don't have time to sift through thousands of photos to understand whether what they're getting is really trustable. 
So we've made the investment in the computer vision technology so that the platform can automatically determine the overall compliance level of a, of a promotion or of a display. I think that's incredibly important because uh, compliance, uh, planogram compliance is probably a, a major issue, always has been a major issue for retailers, but even more so today because it's so hard to keep labor. And so training is constant and ongoing. And there are often going to be times when you don't have someone who's properly trained. And so the planograms get messed up. Mm -hmm. So automating that, that process is extremely important. And it sounds like you have a level of personalization so that you can automate that to the specific needs of each store. So can you tell us a little bit more about this automation and localization and how this enhances the overall customer experience and optimizes sales? You, you alluded to it earlier, but it was such an important point I thought we should revisit. So the fundamental thing is once you know what you've got, once you know what your stores contain, the next step is as you plan, how do you automate the distribution of plans so that every store gets exactly what they need, either from a purely from a capacity perspective, or also as we discussed from a from a marketing perspective. So, you know, without going into too much detail, one of the things that we've done in the platform is enabled it so that a merchandiser at HQ only has to create, let's say, one planogram, and the platform will automatically figure out based on the underlying attributes exactly who's supposed to get it, whether a store is supposed to get it, and whether, for example, there are any variations of that planogram that are supposed to be delivered to that store because of things that are unique to that location. So let me give you an example. You only have to create one planogram. If that planogram happens to have a promotional poster, you still only have to create one planogram, even if that promotional poster is supposed to be delivered in Spanish in half stores, English in a third of the stores, and French in the rest. So you can start to significantly cut down on the amount of time you spend in the planning process and frankly, focus on the stuff that's really important, which is delivering a great experience. You know, you're not, it's not just a ton of, you're not spending time doing make work. We just had an example of a customer coming to us and saying, you know, they cut down planogramming time by about four and a half X. Wow. Literally four and a half times. So it was a, you know, this one planogram that took them, this one reset that used to take them 90 minutes, they're now doing it in 20. Well, it sounds like That's you're also you know. reducing the mistakes and the, the human error that, yeah. that often. Yeah, I hope in. so. hope so, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that does definitely uh, impact the customer experience. How can analytics platforms like OneDoor help drive better experiences for retailers? Do you have an example of the connection between data-driven insights and customer satisfaction? Yeah, so we don't have any hard ROI insight, but we, you know, I think that the, you know, the more you can personalize, the more you can localize, the more you can sell and you can drive a higher, you know, you can drive higher sales farm, the more you can match up with what the consumer requires in that particular market at that particular store, et cetera. You know, you shouldn't be selling sunscreen in December. You shouldn't be selling sunscreen if you're miles from the beach and you know you shouldn't be selling waterproof cases if you're miles from the beach you know these are all okay. things that are pretty intuitive yeah. and then the other thing where we do have a fair amount of of data is compliance when customers find what they want in a store you sell more and and there is a 
plenty of data in the industry, including research that we've done that shows that as you drive better engagement with a store associate in the store, you drive higher compliance levels. And as you drive higher compliance levels, you increase sales performance in that location. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's an easy connection to make between associate engagement, compliance, and sales. Well, and you had mentioned too that um, compliance, you, your system drives a 4X or has driven for, for one specific retailer, especially a 4X improvement on labor. So they can then redeploy that labor to be customer facing to then directly impact the customer experience. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me clarify. So so the forex improvement of labor was actually dramatic. It was interesting. That was actually HQ. So this is HQ labor around planning, forex improvement. Wow. So in stores, the number's lower. So the number in stores is usually around 20%, but 20% across a large installed base of store associates you know, is it is an incredibly compelling metric. And and again, as I think you pointed out correctly, this isn't about generally it's it may not even be about cost savings as much as it is being able to redeploy those resources and really have those folks spend more time selling, more time engaging with customers, more time delivering that great experience because they're not spending time trying to figure out how to set a shelf. You know, some of our customers they want the savings. Other customers literally want to turn that around and use that to invest in the customer experience. Is there any anything that I didn't ask that I should have asked you? <laughs> uh, no, I think we really covered it. I think it's an exciting time. Um, it is. You know, I, I think that we are, you know, we digitize, then you automate, and then you start leveraging the data to deliver insights. And I think that ultimately, even the fourth phase, which we're not you know, it's probably still a little far away, but I, I think what's super exciting with what's been going on in the world from an AI perspective over the last couple of years is you, you can certainly fast forward to a time where you go from just being able to glean insights to being able to leverage those insights to actually make good decisions uh, on their own and free up again, free up resources within retail to focus on the wildly strategically important stuff because we're able to completely automate the planning loop in a way that we haven't been able to so far. Well, and that your system is so integratable with other technology in the store, which is an extremely underrated factor of great importance, especially as technology evolves so much. Yeah. So the fact that you can work with a lot of a wide range of sensor types to really optimize that that data that's coming in is very important. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Um, how can listeners contact you to learn more about OneDoor? Yeah, so great. Appreciate the shout out. OneDoor.com. Simple. Uh, just spelled out just like it is over my shoulder here, although I guess it may be backward for most people, but <laughs> I'm sure people can figure it out. But OneDoor.com and reach out. We'd love to hear from you and we appreciate the opportunity to tell folks a little bit about what we're doing. Well, thank you so much, Tom, and thank you to all our listeners, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Rethink Retail podcast. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore Retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.